This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Awesome, awesome guys. Um, yeah, so what, what makes East London so cool? What makes East London uh, such an awesome place to, to stay in? And uh, why is it, you know, so difficult to actually leave, leave this place? Uh, good, we'll get to the answer just now. But um, I wanted to, quickly before we get in, uh, my name is Stephen, for those that don't, don't, don't know me. Um, and uh, there's a slide on there of my, my wife. Yes, that's, it's Yvette. She's not here. She's somewhere in the back there. But she's my better half. Um, I, I love her to bits. We've been married for 11 years. Dated like six or seven years before that even. So we know each other for like 17 years um, already. And uh, yo, she's uh, such an amazing wife to me. She's an amazing mom to, to our kids. And uh, it's really been so special in the last 11 years to serve with her um, in this church, to serve with her here in, in East London. She is uh, super faithful, uh, super loyal. Um, for those of you that, that know her, um, she genuinely cares. If you get onto her radar, she genuinely cares. Not the type of care that you know comes from the stage or is on the spotlight, but the care that's behind the scenes. Um, when you're on her radar, you, you're really on her, her radar. And, um, yo, I just, I just love her to bits. You know, she, uh, is the one that encourages me. Uh, she, uh, she's my biggest fan. If I'm at church or if I'm at work or if I'm at doing sport or whatever, she's, she's the biggest fan, my biggest fan cheering me on. Um, and I just, uh, have so much respect and I just want to honor her. Um, she's the one that runs the home and I can go on and on. Uh, but uh, she's really amazing. I just I love her to bits, um, and I just wanted to honor honor her. Okay, so let's go to the next. So those are our three kids. Uh, if you if you don't know, so I just wanted to bring a little bit of balance there because the one picture is more like you know the the Facebook picture, the the one that you put on there. Everything is perfect here, right? Nothing goes wrong. Nobody ever cries. You know, everything is just just perfect. And the other one brings a bit of balance. Um, uh, that's probably more realistic of what what things look like 90% of the time. Um, so Francie is my, my daughter, our daughter, and, uh, she is free and victorious and she's the harvester in, in, in our family. Then we have Jockey. He's the, the middle one. Uh, he's a leader and, uh, he is a prophetic worshiper and he is, um, very inno- innovative, right? And, uh, then we have Ollie, Ulster. Uh, he's the youngest of the, of the bunch and, um, he is uh, a bringer of peace. And he's kind and affectionate. Now I know you can't see that on the on the on the screen there, but uh, we we're standing on that word. We we're still speaking it over them. Um, you know, but this is so cool because we we got these these words for for our kids even before they were born. We were we were praying for them while it was still in events. Tell me, and the Lord gave us these words that this is who they're going to be. Um, and what was really special is that you know in. In times of, um, for example, at the baby shower or times of ministry, when we received prayer from people for our kids, they would confirm those words that the Lord has, has given and already told us. So we're excited to, to see these world changers grow up and to see who, how they're going to impact uh, the world. Amen? So back to the question, why is it so difficult to leave East London? What makes this place so cool? Um... 
And, uh, you know, why, why is it so hard? Is it, is it hard to leave because of the, the massive potholes that we have here in East London, you know? And maybe, I know it's easy to get like stuck in one and never, never get out. So that's one way, you know, it's difficult to leave East London because you're stuck in a pothole. Um, no, just a joke. Is it because of the beautiful beaches that we have here? Is it because of the awesome, um, uh, temperature of the water, the surfing, the kayaking, the, the beautiful rivers? Is the lack of climate that we have here for sporting, um, running or biking, uh, you know, all year round is not too cold, not too, not too warm. Is the lack of family feeling that, that there's here in East London? Is it the awesome schools that we have here? We've got such cool schools here. Uh, is it the fact that we've got little, little traffic? You know, you can literally get from anywhere to anywhere in 15 minutes. If it's from your home to work, from your home to church, from your home to shops, from your home to friends, 15 minutes is enough. Um, and it's actually, uh, it's not like that, you know, in under other cities, but it's, it's, it's awesome. Is, is that it? Is that why it's hard to leave East London? Is that what makes East London so special? And, um, you know, when we and Yvette were, were chatting about it, you know, why, why do we really love East London so, so much? Um, we realize that yes, all of those things, we, we enjoy East London for that, but there's one thing that far outweighs all of that. And it is, it's the church. It's you guys. It's, it's the people that makes this place, um, so, so special, you know, because, for those that don't know, we on our way to China, to Beijing, um, and uh, we're quite emotional and sad about it because this is a really special, um, you know, place for us. But we we didn't want to go anywhere. We we weren't looking to leave the country. We weren't looking to go anywhere out of his his London. Um, I randomly got a a really great opportunity uh, given in terms of an assignment to to go to Beijing through Mercedes Benz. Uh, so we prayed about it. We asked some close friends to pray with us, and we all felt peace about it. We all felt we should say yes to the journey. And if it's God's will, he will keep the doors open. If it's not his will, he will close the doors. And at the moment, it looks like the doors are still open and that we are going. But why do we enjoy London? It's because of you guys as a church. It's the relationships that we've established over the last 11 years. It's the excitement of not knowing what to expect because God can do anything when we meet. Heal, deliver, restore, set free, forgive Convict, encourage, empower. Is there anything our God has not done here in our midst? It's the build up, the preparation, the pressing in for the, for the courses, the conferences, the vision nights and trainings. It's the mind blowing miracles experienced when leaving behind our comfort zones and stepping out onto the mission field. It's the praise sessions that breaks bondages, moves mountains and shifts the atmosphere. It's the worship that goes beyond words. As deep cries out to deep and spirit connects to spirit. It's the understanding that I have something to give, something to contribute, something to bring to the table to bless the person next to me in the room because the anointing and the gifting on my life is not for me but for the person next to me. It is the realness, the vulnerability and love in a life group that really cares for one another. It's the support for others in the congregation that keeps one standing when life's biggest storms get thrown at us. The encouragement that keeps us going when there is nothing left in the tank. It's the feeling of belonging, of welcome, of warmth when walking through these doors. It is the feeling of coming home because when church becomes home, heaven tends to visit. Amen. And that is why we, we love is, is London is because of the church. And I know some of you can relate with me because you've tasted church like that. You've tasted church has really become home. 
And I also know there's some here are very aware that some, like, it's completely strange or foreign concept that church can become home or church can be the sole purpose or the sole reason why you actually enjoy a city, why you want to stay in a city is because of a church. I, I get that because me and Yvette, we also weren't there all the time. Because some of us experience church as uh, Airbnb, right? In and out. And I get that because that's also where we started, but that is not what God has for you. There's an invitation for all of us, no matter where you are on this journey, there's an invitation for us not to stay where church is an Airbnb, but God wants church to be home. He wants us to fall in love with his body, with his house. Amen. Now I want to share with you <clears throat> this morning, you know, of how we can move from Airbnb to church being a home. But let me, let me pray before we get into the word. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. I pray, God, as we speak, Lord, that you will use the words and that you will change it, mold it, Lord, shape it, Holy Spirit, that it hits home for everybody in this room, everybody online that's listening. Lord, you've done it before so many times. I ask that you do it again, Lord. I pray for a deep love for your body, for your church, for your bride to be birthed in our hearts here this morning. Pray that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, awesome. So we're talking about the church becoming home. And when the church becomes home, heaven tends to visit. And there's a diagram that I want to show you up there. And I I want you to plot yourself there on on the diagram. Now, to the left here, we've got uh, church as an Airbnb. And uh, on your right-hand side there, we have Church becoming home. So let's just define it. What does it mean? What do I mean when I say church being home? When church becomes home, there's um, meaningful relationships uh, that you come to. And when I say church, I mean any setting where the people of God is gathering. That can be here on a Sunday morning. It can be in intercession, in prayer. It can be in life group setting. It can be on a mission trip. It can be uh, at encounters, uh, at the vision nights, the courses, whatever, Bible school. Wherever the church gathers, that, that is the church, right? When you come together, if there's meaningful relationships, that's, that's point one, then, then church is becoming home. If you come with the expectation to give, with a heart to give, not primarily to, this, uh, to receive, but primarily to give, that is your heart, that's the attitude that you come, then church has become home. If you come with an expectation in your heart to see God move, to see God do things, the expectation that anything is possible when we meet together, church has become home. But let's look at uh, church Airbnb. How does church Airbnb Airbnb looks? Church Airbnb looks like, you know, no real relationships. Um, We come to check things out still. We're quite skeptical about what God can do. And let's maybe move along on the diagram there. Then maybe along the the road you start to like know a couple of people. Um, You maybe start to come to actually receive something. You're curious, you know, can God really do something? Maybe God can touch me. Then you move on to say, okay, now I have maybe one friend. Um, I start seeing the need to, to give, to serve. Um, you have actually a personal encounter with God. Now, this journey here will, will naturally happen if you stick along, if you stick here, if you stick to church long enough, stick around long enough. I can guarantee you somewhere along the line, you're going to encounter God just because you're present. Amen. Time. With, with just sticking around, you will grow in those things. But there's one thing special, and we're going to get to that now. 
that you need to accelerate. And you won't be getting to the point of church becoming home just through time. There's one special secret that you have to practice. We're going to get to it. Now, maybe you say then, okay, you have got friends. You start to give. You trust. Uh, you're even starting to trust others to experience God because you've experienced Him yourself. And then you get to church being home where there's meaningful relationships. You come to give and you have that massive expectation that God is going to move. But what is it? What is the vehicle? What is, how do we get from church in B&B to church becoming home? How do, we, how do we get there? And the answer is serving. Through developing a servant's heart, that's the vehicle how we get from church being an Airbnb, where we come in and out, check in and out, to church becoming home. Meaningful, deep relationships. We come to give because this is our home. We expect God to move because this is our home. So let's start, start to look at what, is, what does it mean when I say s- serving? Let's look at the, the scripture to, to see what does the scripture say about serving. Who should we serve? Why should we serve? How should we serve? Read with me in, in John 13 verses 1 to 5 and then also 12 to 17. Now, the context here is Jesus with his fellow believers, um, his disciples that he's been walking a road with now for, for the last three years. He's been building a relationship with them. He's been investing in them. Uh, he, he loves them. And uh, they come to this place where they're having a last meal together in a room. And they're all sitting down and having a, a meal together. knowing And God knowing that the very next day, he's going to be crucified. And this is his last meal with his people together. I can just imagine Jesus sitting there and saying, what is the one thing that I must still teach my disciples before going to the cross tomorrow? What is the one thing that they still need to get? It's this thing called serving. Now let, let's read the scripture, scripture for, for ourselves. Verse 1, it says there, It was just before Passover festival, Jesus knew the hour he had come for him, knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Let's say loved them. He loved them. The evening meal was in pro... Grace, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to b- betray him. Okay, so let's just quickly pause there. So in that we see two, two people, right? There's a people that he loves, and then there's also a person that's going to betray him. And we're soon going to see that Jesus is going to serve both of those people. So who should we serve when it comes to serving? Who do we serve? Only the people we love? No, we serve both the people we love. And the people that betray us. Both the people we love and our enemies. Let's continue. Verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And that, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Okay. So again, a quick pause there. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew that he was God. He knew that he was the Son of God. He wasn't just a nice person. He wasn't just a nice prophet. He wasn't just a nice teacher. He knew that he was the son of God. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And what we're going to see now is how, what is so special about it is, is how the king of kings is able to humble himself and serve. That just blows my mind. How can the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the world, how is it possible that he can lower himself, humble himself to serve his people? It wasn't a question of identity yet. Jesus wasn't confused of who he is. Is he a servant, you know, a servant or mediocre? No, he knew he's king, but he chose to serve. 
Look at from verses 4, describing how. How do we actually serve? So he got up, let's say got up, from the meal. He took off his outer clothing or his garment. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. (laughs) I just love the scripture because it's so, so practical. How do we serve? What does serving look like? Jesus just gives us a perfect example of what serving looks like. Serving looks like, very first thing we learn from that is serving looks like getting up. Jesus was sitting down having a meal. He had to get up. If you and me, if we want to start serving, we'll have to get up from our laurels. We'll have to get up from where we are sitting. We can't expect to stay where we are and serve. Serving looks like something. It looks like getting out there, changing something, going somewhere, doing something. We have to get up. Whatever it is, Jesus didn't remain sitting. He got up. That was the first thing. The second thing we see is that Jesus took something off. He took his garment off. He took his robe off. What did the robe represent? It represents his title. It represents who he was. He was king of kings, lord of lords. He took off being lord, being Christ, being God. And he chose to lower himself, to prepare him to serve. Are you getting it? So for us, if we want to serve, we, we need to take off that I'm a manager. Take off that I'm the CEO. Take off that I'm the head of the house. Take off that I've achieved X, Y, and Z. Take off that I've got a certain status. We have to take off and put aside our pride, put aside our intellect, put aside our studies, our achievements in life. If we want to serve, really want to serve, we need to put something aside. We need to humble ourselves. We need to put our pride aside to humble ourselves like Jesus did. The third thing he does is he takes something on. So he gets up from where he's sitting. He humbles himself. He puts something. He takes something off. And then he takes something that's in the room. He takes a towel. (laughs) Now, I know many of us have excuses to serve. Because I cannot do this. I'm not gifted in this. I don't have that. I don't have capacity. I'm too busy. All of us in this room are busy. Right? If you ask any one of you, everybody will say, I'm busy. I'm overwhelmed. But I want to say to you, Stop making excuses. If you want to start serving, you've got to take what is in the room. Take what God has put in your hands. Take what is in your room. In your room, there's something that God has put there. God has already put something in your hands. He's given you a skill. He's given you a talent. He's given you abilities. He's given you resources. The principle that we learn here is take what is in the room. Take that towel. It was there. In the room, and Jesus used what was there at his disposal. So we got to get off from our, where we are sitting. We got to take something off in terms of putting aside our pride. And we got to take hold of what is already in our hands, what God has already given us. And then the fourth thing is we have to actually begin. <laughs> we have to actually start washing the feet of the people. We have to actually start serving. We can plan and talk about serving for a long time. But unless we actually start doing it, we haven't started to serve. I know some of, some of us might be thinking like, you know, should I get um, involved in kids' church? Or should I get involved in the prayer ministry? Should I get involved in worship? Should I get involved in ushering or uh, the security? What should I really get involved? And you can be at that place like forever speaking about where I need to get involved in. I want to tell you, 
doesn't matter where you get involved. Just serve somewhere. Choose one of the things. Start ushering. And do it for a couple of weeks. Do it for months. Stick around a little bit. And then do something else. Then do something else. But try something. Start serving. Stop procrastinating. If we want to serve and follow Jesus' example, we've got to get up from where we're sitting. We've got to take off our pride. Humble ourselves. Take what God has already put on our hands. And then we actually got to start doing it. Step out and do it. Amen? Awesome. You with me today? Okay. Okay, tell someone next to you, we're going somewhere. Okay. Awesome. So we're reading there verses, verse 12. We're coming to the question, why? Why do we serve? We know who do we, who we need to serve. We know how we need to serve, but why do we serve? Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothing and returned to his place. Then he asked, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is who, what I am. Now that I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Why do we serve? Because we want to follow Jesus' example. We want to obey his commandment. Jesus didn't just serve his, his disciples. He just didn't just wash his disciples' feet at night because it was something nice to do. He knew that there was something key that they needed to learn. And he wasn't just going to tell them. He was going to practically show them. Isn't Jesus awesome? He, he doesn't sit in heaven and say, serve people, love people. No, he comes down and becomes a man to live like one of us. When he's king of kings and lord of lords. Then he humbles himself and he washes the disciples' feet. King of kings and lord of lords. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus is very practical. And he said, you don't have to do what I said. Do as I did. Serve as I served. So why do we serve? We serve because we want to follow Jesus. We, want to, we are followers of Christ. We want to follow his example. And then that, that verse 17 there. It's such a cool verse because it says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you is knowing enough. Just to know these things is awesome, but that's not going to change the world. That's not going to change lives. It's when we practice what we hear. It's when we practice the principles in the scripture. That is when we receive the blessing. It's good that you know, but if you start practicing serving, you will be blessed. So we also um, can have an expectation when you serve, you can have an expectation to be blessed because there's a promise of God. You won't be blessed when you think about serving. <laughs> you won't be blessed when you plan about serving. You won't be blessed when you know about serving. You'll be blessed when you start to serve. Okay, awesome. So we know who we need to serve, those who we love us, who loves us or who we love and our enemies. How do we serve? We need to get up. We need to put aside. We need to use what's at our disposal. We need to begin. Why do we serve? Because Jesus first served us. Because he's been serving us. We can now serve others. We want to follow him. But I want to deep dive a little bit into, we know the vehicle, you know, you can go to the next slide. We know the vehicle of how to get from church Airbnb to church becoming home. That's through serving. But I want to show you 
uh, through some stories and, and practical things and more scriptures, how is serving actually going to help us to grow deep relationships, meaningful relationships? How serving will, will propel you into meaningful relationships? How serving will lead your heart into a heart of giving? How serving will get you into a place where you are actually excited to meet whenever the church is meeting. You're excited to be there because you know that God is going to do something in the house when we meet. So let's let's look at the first one. We're talking about church becoming home. And the first one there of a church becoming home is developing meaning relationships. Let's read in John 13 verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, love one another. And as, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now, look at the, the close resemblance between love and serving. In the previous scripture we read, we heard Jesus saying, I have served you, now go and serve each other. And in this verse, what is he saying? I have loved you, now go and Love each other. So there's such a close connection between serving and love because it's our love for people that makes us, moves us to serve them. It's our love for people that moves us to serve them. And serving people moves us to love them. <laughs> it's like a chicken egg scenario. You have to start with, with one, but start with serving. As you serve people, you'll get a love for them. You will be moved to, to, to love them. As you love them, you'll be moved to serve them. Amen. You know, in, in the last, um, 11 years that me and, me and Yvette, um, have, have been here in, in church, we've had the opportunity to go on many mission trips and encounters and, and all of this stuff. Um, and the cool thing of, of serving in these areas, we've been able to build meaningful relationships with others that has joined that road with us. You know, because when we serve people, we don't only get a love for them, we also get a love for the people that we are serving with. Because in, in the world, you know, relationships look like, what can I get from you and what can you get from me? That's a world relationship. What can I get out of this relationship? A kingdom relationship, a church relationship is different. It is what can I contribute with what you contribute to make a world change together. Something that I can't do on my own, something that you can't do on your own. What can I bring to the table? What can I give? And this is what happens when we serve alongside brothers, when we serve alongside one another. We start to get a heart and a love for one another. We start to deep our, even deep our relationship with one another. If you want to make friends, relationships in church, start serving together in the ushering, in the prayer, wherever. When you pray together, you're starting to get a heart for the kingdom of God together. Has anybody experienced that? So in the last 11 years, as I said, we've had many mission trips. I want to share some of the cool stories. Um, we were in India, uh, India with Alan and Rosie and um, Sean and Leanne and Gerard and Yoni and Leone. Some of the people, we, we were there way, way back. Um, and I remember one evening, um, we were, the men were in like one dorm and the ladies in one dorm. And, and that evening, just before we went to, to bed, uh, we like said a short prayer. Or we wanted to say a short prayer. Um, and then God came into that room. 
<laughs> now, when men start to pray, you know God is in the house. Amen. <laughs> Normally, the women, they are praying. You know, they fight. When men, so something happened that evening. We started to pray. Then suddenly, you know, people were praying. We were prophesying. Uh, we were speaking in tongues. It was just amazing. I can't explain to you. You had to actually be there to experience it. You know, but that is a, such a fond memory that I have with those people. And when we come together, I can say to you, hey, do you remember that night? Why? Because we serve together. There's a relationship. We can tap into something that we have. And we went out, you know, over the, the grounds there and we prayed and we prophesied and we spoke God's will into, into being that evening for probably like an hour or two while everybody else was sleeping deep into the night. So fired up because God had come. He had visited. But if you weren't there, if you're not there, if you're not serving together, you'll never experience it. You'll never have the story to share. I remember going to, to Nepal. Um, that was with like Dion and, and Bernard, Bernard and some, some people. And I remember the one evening we uh, slept in a, in a hotel room there. They called it a hotel, but it's, it's just a building. And um, anyway, so me and Dion, we were in the room. And for some bizarre reason, at around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, some crazy time in the evening, it was like the owner started to, for some reason, slaughter chickens. So it was like, right under our like, um, uh, room. And it's just like loud and like, what is going on here? You know, we're trying to sleep here. We're in this hotel. Um, anyway, so much so that we like end up, let's just put earphones on and we'll start worshiping the Lord, you know, and, and start preparing for next day's message because we're not going to get sleep in any case, you know. So either those chickens were like constipated or decapitated. But it was one of those two, but there was, you know. Anyways, but it's just a cool memory that I have with Dion, and we can still laugh about it today. And the same mission trip, we, we walked, we, we journeyed into the Himalayan, Himalayan mountains um, to a remote village there. Pastor Yusuf took us there to his aunt that lived there. She was like 85, old lady that, that was there, and many things happened there. Um, but um, the one thing I wanted to share with you is that... Um, when we went to the place where we went, where we needed to sleep, it was actually me and Pastor Yusuf and this, this old lady. And when I got into the room, I, I noticed that there was only two beds. <laughs> there was only two beds. And I thought to myself, I'm either spooning now with Pastor Yusuf or with this 85-year-old lady. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get around, around this. But, um, you know, then something very special happened. Pastor Yusuf said, Stephen, you're sleeping here. And, and he went to bed there. And as I laid in bed, I was wondering where... Is this aunt of his, it's like 85, so where is she going to sleep? And then I saw her coming and just like lying down on the ground, but on like stones. 85 years old. No mattress, no pillow, no blanket, just straight on the cold floor. And you know how that touched me that morning, uh, that evening? I thought to myself, if this is not serving others, what is it? But if you don't go there, if you, if you were not there, if I wasn't there, I would have never experienced that moment of someone willing, 85 years old, she's like older than my granny, she's willing to lay down herself, humble herself, sleep just on the ground. Why? Because she's making space for the guests to sleep. <laughs> the next morning, we woke up and I remember like, like itching quite a bit and going to Yvette and saying like, yeah, itching, can you maybe check on my back? And I take off my, like, or open up my shirt and 
Yes, I'm looking like a dartboard because uh, the bed bugs had properly chowed me. Now, I don't know if that is what the old lady knew. She knew that that blanket of hers had a lot of bed bugs, and that's why it made me sleep on the ground. And so, anyways, I've never been chowed like, with, with, like that with bed bugs before. But, anyways, that's just nothing about nothing. But it's a good story, and uh, it's a good memory that I have with with uh, these people. So, another story: we did missions here in Southernwood. One of my most special missions. In, in our time that we've served here in East London, uh, where we um, went to the rezes and we would like literally go in the res and just trust for God to lay someone on our hearts and we would pray for people. People would come to salvation. People would be healed miraculously in front of us. Um, we uh, went to pray in the parks and and just in the streets. We would go um, before work on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We would go there uh, to where the students would walk to their classes and we would like put out a coffee station. And we would just serve free coffee just to get them to hang around a little bit and to just connect with them and trust, God, what are you saying about this person? What do you want to do? Just trusting for an opportunity to minister the gospel, trusting for opportunity to serve them, to love them, to encourage them. And God did such amazing work. Uh, I saw people healed there. saw people delivered there. saw people um, set free. saw people come to salvation. You're just right there on the corner, um, you know, in, in Southernwood. Early in the morning, 6 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock. Why? Just because we went out to serve. And it's such cool memories with Yvette, such good memory with, with the other people that's, you know, served with us. Oh, I can go on and on. P, I was with P with, with JP, Zambia with Andre. Me and Andre, we went to Zambia for a, a Easter um, weekend to minister there. And uh, in the house that we were staying, there was also like another missionary team. Uh, a, a, gr- a group of girls actually staying. So, anyways, also everything happens at night. So when we were sleeping, we also suddenly hear like, <laughs> you know, you just hear the girls screaming, and we thinking, okay, there's like demons here. We need to be in underwear up. We're ready to cause something out, or you know, pray for something. And we get out, and we see like, no, they're screaming because like there's cockroaches everywhere on the ground, and all of those, like, you know, they like running around there because of the cockroaches. So we said, oh, okay, thank goodness. Like we can go back to bed, you know, and, and leave them to scream. There's nothing, nothing major. Um, but that morning, I remember the next morning, now Andre had like a, you know, one of those mosquito nets. I had one of them. So I like humbled myself. You know, I slept on the bed without the mosquito net. So anyways, the next morning we wake up and Andre's like, uh, yes, like, did you also feel something like, it felt like something was like crawling on me, like on my face and stuff. I said, no, 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 I didn't have like any of that problems. And then we like looked into the net. And in the inside of his net, there's, there's a massive cockroach. So that cockroach is just like crawling over him all evening, you know. Anyway, so we just had such a laugh. We still laugh about it today. But on that mission trip, you know, we had such cool times together in prayer, connecting heart to heart. We had such awesome times in worshiping the Lord. We, we saw people come to salvation. And I remember still... Like on the way back, we had such an awesome heart-to-heart conversation, me and Andre, and he really spoke into my life. And it's something I'll never forget, building me up, speaking into my life. Now, if I hadn't gone with him, if I hadn't said yes to serve, I would have never had that experience. Deepening relationship. Why? Because we serve together. And I can go on, Porchestrum, Noble, Cambridge. You know, but one of the biggest blessings that I've received from serving in terms of relationship is actually with my relationship with Yvette. This has been the massive, this has been the biggest blessing to our marriage, is serving together in the last 11 years. 
the mission trips that we've gone on, we've done like over 40 encounter courses together. And we are so excited about the encounter course because we know that God is going to move when we get there. And you know what, what changes? God has changed my heart and changed the way I look at Yvette. I don't look at her anymore as my wife. I look at her as, as a daughter of God, the daughter of the Most High, God. I look at her as, as a servant of the Lord. I look at her as a powerful woman of God, a life changer. I see the heart that she has for people because I've, I've seen it, I've experienced it. And it softens my heart. God softens my heart when I see that in her. There's something that happens when as a couple, as a married couple, when we serve together. It is better than 10 marriage counseling sessions. Stop going to marriage counseling sessions. Start doing missions together. To all the married people, stop doing marriage counsel. Start serving together. In one serving together, if you can get the same heart that God has got for your husband, same heart that God has got for your wife, you won't need marriage counseling. Because your eyes, your perspective, your heart will change towards your wife. Now I want to encourage you, if you are married, guys, trust me in this, start serving together. It is the biggest blessing that you can get. If you want to make church home, if you want to get there to that place where church is really home, you cannot do it by serving alone. And I understand sometimes our wife or spouse is not, uh, is not saved and we pray for them and we trust them. But if you are believers, please take this home, pray together. You need to start serving together because it's been the bless, biggest blessing that we've experienced. So they say, you know, pray together, stay together. I want to say serve together and grow strong together. You pray together, you stay together. If you serve together, you grow strong together. Awesome. So we're moving on to point number two there, growing and giving. We're talking about how are we going to make church home. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroys and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Read this with me. One, two, three. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where will your heart be? Your heart will be there where your time is invested. Your heart will be there where your resources are invested, where your finances are invested, where your giftings are invested, where your skills, your capacity is invested. You want to move towards church becoming home? Start giving. Giving of your time, giving of yourself, giving of your resources, giving of your capacity, giving of your skills. If you want to move into church becoming home, we have to start giving. You know, myself and Yvette, over the last 11 years, we, we really have tried to pour out our hearts into, into this church. But what we've experienced is that the church has poured out so much more into us. If we look back in the last 11 years, Every time we've tried to pour all the things that we've done and poured out into the church, into the people, we have received double, triple, quadruple back from the church pouring into our lives. There's a scripture that says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, for some of us, it's very theoretical. It's blessed to hallelujah. It's blessed to give to more give to, than to receive, right? It's no longer for us theoretical. It's become very practical because we've experienced in giving of ourselves. We have received much more. Not only a blessing on ourselves, but a blessing on our marriage. There's something that changes 
Far beyond also the natural things. There's something in the spirit. God pours out his blessing on our household. Why? Because we choose to serve. And I want to encourage you to do the same. You can never outgive God. You can never outgive his bride. You can never serve too much. You will always be more blessed and received. Now, the first four years, as I said, we just said, when we came into Islam, we said yes to everything. If there was anything that the church did, we were there. Prayer, encounters, church services, life group, whatever, we were there. Missions, we were there. And it very quickly moved us from this church being our Airbnb church to church becoming home. Very, very quickly in that first four years. Then we got Francie. And it started to be a little bit more challenging because now we couldn't be at every event anymore. We had to like balance. At least we couldn't both be there at the same time necessarily because someone needed to maybe take care of, you know, the baby. We're still trying to figure this thing called parenting uh, out, you know. And I remember coming to a place in that season where we really pulled back a little bit because we felt, yo, we need to just figure this thing called, called parenting out for ourselves. And I remember coming, sitting here in service and not being able to receive. Feeling like there's a block. I can't receive. And even in my quiet time with the Lord, I, I couldn't receive from him anymore. I didn't hear his voice so clearly. And, and I remember spending time with the Lord and the Lord showed me a picture of a dam. <laughs> and he said, Stephen, you've become a dam. You've received enough. You're full. You're full to the brim. I can't actually give you anything else. And then he showed me a picture of a river. And he said, this is who I made you to be, a river of life. Receiving and giving. As you give, you create capacity to receive. Receiving and giving. Giving and receiving. When you're damn, you can't receive. You get stuck. You can't receive from God anymore. He said, Stephen, you've got to start serving again. You've got to start giving again. So we made a decision to say, whatever it means, if we need to split up, one looks at the baby, the other one comes to church, one, you know, goes on a mission, the other one stays home to pray. We're both in it together, but we might be separated. Amen? But we're going to serve. One way or another, we have to serve. Because I don't want to be a dam. I don't want to be fraught. I want to be where there's life. I want to be like a river of living waters flowing through me. The only way that you can be that is if you continue to give. If you continue to serve. Because serving creates capacity to receive. So I want to encourage you this morning. If you are feeling a block. You're not receiving from God. Simply start to serve. And see what the Lord is going to do. And over the years I've, I've learned. Every time I feel that block. Every time I feel. I, I realize I know. Stephen. Get back to prayer. Stephen. Uh, get to more encounters. Stephen. Come to more church. Stephen. Pray for more people on the streets. Pray for more people in the shops. Pray for more people at work. Do something. Give life away. Serve someone. And immediately as I do it. It's like the heavens open. I can receive from God again. So if you want to start. Giving and growing and giving. Start serving. The third one there. Having the expectation that God is going to move. How does serving help us to, to get an expectation that God is going to move? Hebrews 11 verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anybody who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. We've got an expectation that God is going to move every time the church gathers. Now, again, I'm saying the church is not here. The church is in life group. The church is when you're just moving in your, in your house, a couple of believers moving because one or two are gathered. There the Lord is, right? 
That's the church. We've got the expectation that wherever we are, the Lord is going to move. Why? Because he says so in his, his word. Because we believe that he is. We believe that he's the king. We believe that he's the Lord. And we know that we are seeking him with sincere hearts. Therefore, we know that he's going to reward us. If we continue to believe who he is, if we continue to seek him, we know that he's going to reward us. We have that expectation that God is going to move on our behalf. But, you know, to develop this expectation, the scripture says, come and see and taste that the Lord is good. Come and see and taste that the Lord is good. Now, if you haven't tasted, you don't know that the Lord is good. If you've tasted, you have an expectation that the Lord is good and is going to do it again. In serving, in being in places where God moves, you get to taste the goodness of God. For example, in our life group recently, um, there was a couple that, that got retrenchment letters, both of them at the same time. Now, they were vulnerable enough to share that with us in the last couple of weeks. And we then came together as a life group around them and prayed for them, trusted with them. And I was so proud of, proud of them because they just said, we're going to trust the Lord for this. And we prayed with them. And you know what? The Lord has already provided one of them with a job. The next one has got an interview this week, and we're trusting that he's also going get to a, get a job. Amen. Now, the thing what I want you to notice is that if we weren't part of life group, I wouldn't have had that story to share today. If we weren't part of life, I wouldn't have tasted that the Lord is faithful. When someone gets a retrenchment letter, planted in my mind, burn it in there, Stephen. When someone gets a retrenchment letter, knows that the, know that the Lord will provide. It's now burnt into my mind. I know this now. Because I've seen and I've tasted, I've experienced it. I've seen that the Lord is good. Now I know he's going to do it again. If we don't position ourselves in those places, if we're not present in church, we're not present in the life, we're not present in a mission field, we're not present in uh, whatever, serving or in, in the encounters or at prayer. If you're not present, you're not going to see and taste that the Lord is good. You need to be present to experience Him. And that just being present and experiencing Him creates expectation. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Why? Because I've tasted His goodness. I've tasted what he can do. So don't miss it. You know, I can, I can tell you many, many stories of, of how I've seen under my own hands, with my own eyes, knees that's like as big as this with a simple prayer shrink in front of my eyes and the person going from walking on crutches the one moment for three months to dancing or running up and down with one prayer, short prayer, Lord, Please heal this knee in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. And all of that happened. I can tell you about a year in, in Ado where I was praying for a guy who was limping there for weeks. His manager saw him. And I saw him and I said, hey, can I, can I not pray with you? He said, yeah, sure. So I said, let's go outside. I pray with him. Simple prayer. Lord, please heal his, his leg. And he started to do this. He says, no, man. What just happened? I said, no. What happened? You tell me what happened. How's the pain? No, the pain is gone. I said, no, I don't believe you. Run up and down. He starts to run up and down. Then he, his manager comes up and says, what's happening here? He says, no, this guy just prayed for me. My, 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 anger, my, my um, cough is healed. Look at me. Then he goes running up and down, up and down. And his manager says, whoa, what is going on, you know? The Lord, the kingdom has come near. The kingdom has come. Why? Because we're positioning ourselves in a place to experience. And I can tell you many, many more stories. But, I, you know, I want to 
share with you. I think there's something special in terms of consistency. Consistency in two things. Consistency in being in church and consistency in being in life group. And over time, it's the small things that will create a big expectation in your heart that God is going to move. You know, it's the, it's the times when people respond in the front end. You say, God, I don't even feel worthy. I don't even know if I've got a word, but I'm going to go and just step out and pray for them. And then you say a, a small prayer, a simple prayer, or you share a word that's on your heart, and they turn around and they like bawling their eyes out and saying, what you shared is exactly what's going on in my heart. The prayer that you prayed is exactly what I needed. Yo, when you prayed, when you laid your hand on me, I just felt the Lord's presence over my body. I felt as if I'm coming home. I felt the love of the Father. And you knowing that you just came with like even a trembling heart. You just came with like a, a simple prayer. It's those moments that creates expectation in your heart. Yo, God, you did it last Sunday. Let me just go and try it again. I'm just going to be your message. I'm just going to be your servant, Lord. You are the one doing the work. I'm not coming here with a, a big lot of wisdom and a lot of... Th- Theology, and I'm just going to step out. I'm just going to lay my hand, God. I'm trusting that you're going to do it again, Lord, because you've done it so many times. That consistency is going to build expectation in your heart that the Lord can do it again. Wherever it is, if you're ministering to the kids next door, and usher, whatever, step out. Use the opportunities that God is giving and putting in your, your midst. Awesome. I want to I want to summarize, you know, what we've gone through this morning. We're talking about church becoming home, and when church becomes home, heaven tends to visit because it feels like heaven. Church can be a little bit of heaven if we start to serve. How do we? How does home look like? It looks like deep relationships, meaningful relationships. It looks like coming to give. Yes, you always receive, but you come primarily to give. When your heart is in that place, you've moved into church becoming home. And you have an expectation in your heart that God is going to do something special. Then you've come home. You've come to church being home. How do you get there? You get there through serving. Serving is a vehicle how we get from Airbnb church to church being home. And there's a special connection between serving and love. We see that God so Father, God the Father, He so loved, God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten son. Jesus, when he came, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Isn't that mind-blowing? The king of kings will humble himself. The fact that God will send his son, that is the ultimate resemblance of service, act of serving. King of kings, Lord of lords, to become a mere human being like me and you, Frail, fragile, sometimes we get hungry, tired. He's God. Yet he humbles himself. Because he's not a God in the distance. He's a God very close to us. Very near. He wants to show us how to love. He wants to show us how to serve. So it's a love for people that moves us to serve them. And in serving people, it moves us to love them. I want to just share this, this one thing, this one pitfall. There's this one thing that's going to sideline you on this journey from Airbnb church to church become home. And it's called offense. 
if you take offense, you will be sidelined. You will be nullified. It's like, it's like serving, you know, like snakes and ladders. Serving is the ladder. Quickly, move. Offense is a snake. Down. Offense is like, go back to the start. Go back to church being, for some of us, it will actually kick us completely out of the church. Offense. Offense is deadly. And I want to say to you that offense comes when we are disappointed in people. And I would love to say to you that leaders will never disappoint you. Your life group leader is never going to disappoint you. Your wife, your husband is never going to disappoint you. The people that serve with you, they're never going to disappoint you. But that would be a lie. The truth is, they will disappoint you. The question is, will you be offended? Or will you learn to forgive quickly? The key in that is, it's in how we serve them. How we serve together. We serve people, but not for their recognition. We serve people, not for their approval. We serve people, not for what we get from them. We serve people because we are followers of Christ. We serve people because we want to obey God. We serve people because ultimately we want to serve God. And that is going to allow you to wash the feet of Judas tonight. And tomorrow Judas will sell you to the people that's going to crucify you. It will enable you to serve Judas, wash Judas' feet tonight, knowing that tomorrow the same Judas is going to send you away, sell you, so that you will be crucified. If you're saying, I'm not serving Judas, I'm serving God. And I know there's a reward for me when I serve him. Amen. I have a plea in my heart. Don't get offended. You will get disappointed. Forgive. Learn to forgive easily. Don't get offended. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.